Welcome to episode 32 of the Owl and Badger podcast. My name is Tim and I'm joined by my very good friend Helen and we are two Christians who are seeking to understand the world around us through a biblical worldview. We want to encourage our listeners to apply critical thinking to current events and pursue truth as we seek to live for Christ. Well, in uh, this episode, we're really pleased to to welcome special guest uh, Nick Franks. And uh, Nick carries a prophetic burden for maturity in the church expressed through repentance and preparation for the return of Christ. So welcome along to the podcast, Nick. It's great to have you with us. Really appreciate you joining us for this. Thank you. Thank you, guys. As I say, it doesn't happen very often from my end, so appreciate the uh, the invitation. Oh, fantastic! I, you know, I, I was looking at your your website, and I, I've got to say, I, I love the 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 intro on your about page where you where you say, "I've been learning to love Jesus for three decades," and I, and I really like that because it's just a great way to articulate following after Jesus, and and it, it made me want to delve in. Uh, further, more further into what you mm. what you say about yourself and 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 your walk with with Christ and mm-hmm. and and then further down the page you you really nail your colours to the mast I think um, because you say the body of Christ are in a world of trouble and Jesus is coming we are not ready mm. uh, this really resonates with us we agree with this and and I think this is this is why. Helen, isn't it that we've been so looking forward to to this uh, chat with with Nick to touch on the things that that feed feed into this? So yeah, Nick, really warm mm. welcome to to our podcast. Um, thank you. Yeah, thank you guys. Um, thank you. And even that short intro is helpful. I think to certainly from my perspective in this conversation, I immediately feel at ease because most of the time. Um, what you've just said is virtually non-existent from communication. Um, a lot of the stuff I do is directly to a camera or a black hole without without a kind of, you know, the life-giving flow of a community. And so mm-hmm. um, maybe we'll touch on this in some of what we talk about today in terms of what it means to have a prophetic calling in the 21st century. But a lot of the time you don't have that basic starting point with people where there is a a shared sense of just the things that seem very, very, very obvious to myself and to Mary and to, to others, I'm sure as well, but about the state of the church and how that relates to some of the things that we say we believe, namely Jesus returning as the ultimate thing that we say we believe. Yeah, definitely. So thank you, thank you for saying that. Yeah, well, I think I think it's just it just it, it's an encouragement to us. Uh, like we're like we we're just chatting through just before we 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 started, and um, we yeah we definitely want to kind of explore this a little bit further. And I think it's probably fair to say that we'll we'll only be able to touch on things in in this episode, but um, it's going to be really really good to do that. It would just be great to hear Nick just briefly, kind of a little bit. For those who who don't know who you are, um, mm. just to, just to explain a little bit about who you are and 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 what you do, and uh, I have to I have to say actually for for you know I have a kind of graphic design, web design sort of background, and so it's really great to see your kind of creative side in the your as you put it your tent making side. So just yeah, could you just give us a little bit of a bit yeah. of context. Yeah, I mean, just I'll put a, just a note in the ground, a flag in the ground about your um, observation about something I'd written about in the in the bio. Because I'd maybe 
most people don't pick up on that that learning to love jesus is a is an influence from brennan manning which in and of itself is quite controversial probably but maybe we'll come back to that um but yeah i spend 95 maybe maybe more percent of my time doing this kind of thing um i work i work as a freelance photographer and filmmaker and and so on as well but to be honest since covid that has that changed even more dramatically it was um it was more of a balance but most of my time is spent doing this um kind of uh i don't know how to summarize it. i hadn't thought of it really but i suppose it's a form of christian ministry largely digitally and yep. of course that as i've already mentioned is stripped of something very basic about what it means to be a christian which is fe- fellowship and community so that is yeah our, our immediate context um we live in edinburgh mary okay. mary and myself um we've been here for eight years right wow and as we were talking about a minute ago originally i'm from devon so i'm a i'm a long cry from the english riviera at the minute <laughs> and you you host the into the into the prey podcast and when when did that start that started i believe march march 2020 okay uh yeah so just as the world was beginning to lurch into its yeah it's outward show of craziness shall we yes. say yes yeah 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 it was it it's it is uh we still live in in a lot of that craziness now don't we although it's we kind of muted if you like it's it's still sort of there mm-hmm. un, under the surface i think i think um certainly i could say for myself and i'm sure it's true for helen as well but one of the things that that catches my eye with your ministry is um is the is the a kind of a call call to action in regards to the return of Christ. Um, and the more I've thought about this over the past few years, the more I've thought, why is this not central to the gospel message? Um, mm. And it, it made me ponder about, you know, for me personally, one of my kind of Bible teaching heroes, if you like that, and I don't know if that's the right phrase or not, would be somebody like David Paulson. And and I remember him commenting on on the fact, I think it was, he doesn't, uh, he, he didn't want to do Advent themed services because he didn't, he didn't want to be looking back. He wanted to do a kind of Advent of the coming Advent of the return of Christ. And yeah, and that that's a real driving try. It seems to be a, a a big thing for you. Is that is that fair to say in terms of calling us to look to the return of Christ? Yeah, I, I mean, you mentioned one of your influences or heroes. I think uh, one of mine would be John Piper. And okay, yeah. To be honest, to be honest I'm struggling to think of many others. Yeah. Um, I recently read in very quick reading his newest book, "Come Lord Jesus." I don't know if you guys have seen it or read it. Um, I don't know if you've, uh, you guys listening will have seen it, but I encourage you to watch it. He he hangs everything from this new book, Come Lord Jesus, from 2 Timothy 4, 8, yeah. where where Paul is writing about all those who have loved his appearing. Yes, yes, I have. And as the, as, the yeah. new, as the New Testament standard, particularly in, 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 for the Thessalonians, actually, Paul drilled that reality of Jesus coming and that, you know, we see it in, in 1 Corinthians 10 as well. Um but my my one critique of of my hero's book, John Piper, is that 
it assumed that the church did love his appearing. Mm. Mm. And I think it's a wrong assumption that the church loved. Because when, when, when Paul is saying to Timothy, for all those who've loved his appearing, what he's meaning is Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in this in this dry and weary COVID world where there is no water. You know, loving his appearing meaning... I would literally, this is this is Philippians 1, I would literally rather not be here. Doesn't matter how beautiful my wife is, whether I've got children, how well my ministry is going, I would rather be with Jesus than be here. Mm. And it's yeah. a no-brainer. There's no contest. That's why yeah. he said it's, it's it's better by far. And so that that's what it means to love his appearing, not just have a notional assent to the fact that, yeah, well, of course, everybody in the Evangelical Alliance agrees that we're, we believe in the physical return <laughs> of Jesus, but that's not the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. They're radically different realities, and I think the church, and that's what I'm meaning when I when I talk about the church, are in a world of trouble and are not prepared for Jesus' return because they don't. I don't think the, the church at large, and I think this is manifestly obvious, um, long for him in that way. If yeah. that makes sense, it does. It does. It does make sense, and uh, and certainly for me, for me, it's been. A, I found it a personal challenge to to ask myself the question. You know, am I am I really longing for Christ's return, or am I just giving a kind of verbal assent to that? Yeah, and uh, and you know that 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 is definitely a personal challenge because because I can see actually if I'm going to really follow truly after Christ, I'm going to be yearning. For, for him to come back ASAP kind of thing because I want to be with him and I want, I want this to be you know I yeah. want to yeah so I think that's that is a really really helpful challenge I think one of the other things um that is 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 really clear and I and I would say really encouraging about your your ministry is that you're not afraid to say it as it is and I think now more than ever, we 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 we, we need that, um, and I think that's that's so important. And whether any, I know recently you've spoken a lot about repentance um, and the importance of that. Um, you touched on things like abortion, um, response. I think to COVID. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, um, women pastors, women elders, mm -hmm. um, which. Again, that's that's a that's a fascinating one for me personally, and I think either on that particular issue because it is, I think, quite. Um, I'm going to use the word divisive. That's the wrong word, but it's it, it's 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 very. Uh, it can be maybe seen seen by some as being controversial when it shouldn't mm. be, mm -hmm. but but it's either it's either a big issue or it's a non-issue. And and if it's a big issue, we've got to sort it, sort it out. And yeah. and again, I think you've, you touch on all, all these things. Is there is there something that that kind of has caused you to to be bold in that way? Yeah, I, I um, without wanting to sound glib or super spiritual, and that's probably the only occasion I use the word super. By the way, so that's just <laughs> a pet peeve. Get to know Nick Franks. Um, <laughs> is that the Holy Spirit has done that in me, but he's done it in me by leading me into and through anguish. 
Right. And I don't, again, I don't mean to sound philosophical as much as just very honest in the conviction that I speak with now. And that's certainly not to, to claim for a second that I have everything sorted and everything right and claim to know, you know, but the, the places that I have no choice about standing in, even, in, even when it puts me at odds with the vast majority uh, and it does is because I've been led to that place. Right. So for example, um, when, and it was interesting when you were asking me when the, when our podcast Into the Prey started, I have a rough timeline in my head just because I finished this book recently, so I'd had to go through all of that. But um, in in July 9, 2019, I released Body Zero, and then six mm-hmm. months roughly after that, we produced this film, The Draft, that you may have heard about or even seen. And folk who listen to me speak will probably be... F- fed up of me mentioning this but it this this serves as the a kind of classic example of why we have to stand where we stand which is that prior to the film we knew we had to call the we, the lord had given me this ridiculous or it sounded ridiculous call to action that the churches of the uk needed to close to facilitate a response that could be could be reasonably understood to be faithful before him of prayer and repentance. Right. So yeah. I had to say to some of the guys who were planning on being in this film, you know, just so you know, and you're not kind of caught unawares at the time, this is what I'm going to say. And so the timing of this is so important. That was January the 4th, 2020, before any public knowledge of a so-called pandemic. Yeah. 12 weeks later, that happened, and the film was released... You know, the language of the film and so on wow. wasn't shaped to kind of reflect what was going on in the world. It was there already. The conscription of conscience was that. And then the nation was enlisted. So that's an example of why I suppose I speak with a sense of boldness and conviction is because it would be wrong. for It would be harder and wrong for us to go along with the mainstream narrative. Yes. Yeah. Uh, when he had spoken to us in advance, and then it happened. I mean, wow. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. And, yeah. and so we, often, even in the glorious few, when I've communicated that or before that, you know, it seems to be that that fact, and if we, we can talk much more widely, I suppose, about what does being prophetic in the New Testament mean. But on that simple fact alone, it often seems to be like water off a duck's back when you mention that um, as though it was a an incidental detail. And for us, of course, we're not, you know, we're based on the word of God, but we see that type of, we see, I suppose we see that working of the Lord with his people throughout the covenants and the the centuries uh, as being entirely consistent with saying, you guys are unfaithful. It's time to close the circus that it is in order to posturally change before me. And of course, as you know, that's not happened. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it does feel like, you know, it, there is a kind of a sense that, oh, if we get a certain amount of things right, then it's okay. Mm-hmm. And the other things we can sort of, we can park and it doesn't matter. But that, but that, I mean, scripturally, that's, that's false. You don't find that yeah. through the Bible. And, and I think we, we can hoodwink ourselves almost as mm. to thinking it's okay when when it's not. Um, 
Yeah, and I and I I've we've had to publicly repent about that in the last few years, the last three years. Um, I mentioned the release of Body Zero, the first book that I wrote prior to this. You know, we were at that time we were in an Elim church okay. where they have female elders. We've had to yeah. publicly repent about that. We were just we just turned a blind eye to that, Tim. Wow. Um, yeah. And so your your point again, it's really helpful. Yeah, for sure. In the last three three years, there are, there have been a number of theological doctrinal issues that have very much been pulled into focus as being you can't stand on one and not stand for the other yes. because because it is essentially standing for the same thing. Yeah. So whether that is abortion or uh, the homosexual marriage issue, or whether it's to do with e egalitarianism, you know, the things that people will hear me speak about, but it's essentially the same thing, which is that unless you're not reading the Bible plainly, or you're doing some kind of dangerous gymnastic with that, you, you can't come to any other conclusion. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, I, I, yeah. I, I would, I, I can, I can, yeah, totally agree. And my, my own, my own experience in, in church leadership has, you know, has, has sadly, you know, borne some of that out in that, that, you know, theological gymnastics are attempted in order to make something mm. viable when actually it's just, that shouldn't even be on the table. Yeah. Um, and it's difficult and it becomes almost impossible to even raise it as a conversation piece. Um, but I think I think Helen, you, you'll need to say something in a minute because it's not just me. But um, in terms of, I think the other thing that's just just really good is is you know you said a number of times you, you're not bothered about being right, but rather being true and faithful. And mm. it's it's good, it's so good to hear that. And I think that that should be a clarion call to us as the body of Christ. That that is what we should be should be seeking to do, um, yeah. and it's hard, isn't it? It's extremely hard because it seems to be so rare that um, for there to be a willingness to go to that place of where um, the way I kind of have been thinking about it more recently is that the call to repentance. So, so we believe. We have to believe in the sense that this is what the Lord spoke ahead of time, that the churches were were closed by the Lord, not by a godless government, but by the Lord as an act of judgment on the state in which we find ourselves. Mm. Um, and, and that that isn't somehow. Um, I've lost my train of thought. What was your point just before that? Just just about the fact that, not, you know, we shouldn't be bothered about being right, if you like, but we should be what we should be bothered about is 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 being is seeking truth, being truthful, adhering yeah. to the truth, and being faithful to that. Um, yeah. And and you're saying, you know, how rare that is, and 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 it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be rare, should it? it? Should it should be more commonplace than than it currently yeah. seems? Yeah, I, I don't know why it is. I don't know why it is, but I think the way you described it in terms of being willing to tolerate a sense of, um, just tolerate certain things that we we kind of conveniently put into a lesser importance category um and i have you know i have quite a lot of interactions with with church leaders and so on and i do pick up on that quite a lot is there's a and even with gafcon recently it was like mm. that this awareness that yeah egalitarianism really is in the same category as what we're calling justin welby to repent about yeah but we're yeah. but we're not actually willing to deal with that decisively and immediately now so 
how does that not how does that not just perpetuate hypocrisy that the world hates yeah yeah and uh it, it's it strikes me you, you come across the term you know open-handed issues closed hand issues or or or, or things of secondary importance in other words like you know somebody will say well that you know the, the the fact that jesus died on a cross uh rose three days later that's a closed hand issue we don't we don't we don't mess with that but perhaps you know egalitarianism or mm-hmm. um, maybe even something like abortion or 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 sexuality that might be more of an open-handed issue and and the more the more i've kind of pondered this the more i feel like that's a bit of a con because the the kind of the open-handed issues that we like to think are open-handed actually feed into the the closed hand issue and you it, 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 how to explain this yeah. well it would be somebody like aaron edwards i don't mm-hmm. know if you come across him from okay all right so yeah that he um Going a little bit off piece in it, but he he was um, Helen, help me out here. He was the um, uh, lecturer at uh, Cliff College, wasn't he? At um, Cliff College, yes. Yeah. Do you, do you want to say a bit about him, Helen, or just because it? Yeah. Well, he uh, recently um, it all started as these things often do with um, a tweet that he made um, stating something that should not be terribly controversial for a conservative orthodox christian and um the college came down on him like a ton of bricks um and he lost his job uh we've spoken about it on the podcast and we did no i yeah. wasn't aware of that we we I, we're not on social media so we probably are we do oh, miss better, some things for that reason for <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, okay yeah but but yeah it was it was that kind of thing where it's a um yeah one of those very real in your in your face things where he was pointing out that this is a gospel issue and yeah yeah but anyway helen you over, over to you well i i just um want to talk a bit about about your new book nick um and i haven't i thought it's probably helpful to say i haven't actually finished reading it yet it's only just come out so it's very new um it's called the glorious few redeeming radicalization in the kingdom of god um um, one of the reasons that I've not finished it yet is that it's taking me a while to read. It's it's not. I'm finding it's not an easy read, but that's in a good way because it's there's so much there. There's so much to think about. It's so challenging that I'm taking my time to really read it carefully and slowly. Um, but I would recommend it to to everyone who truly wants to follow Jesus. I think it's an important read. I think it's really challenging. Um, so, so you know, we haven't got time to go into it in great detail, but like mm-hmm. us to talk about it a bit. But I don't know whether it's helpful, Nick. I haven't read your previous book, Body Zero, mm-hmm. um, Radical Preparation for the Return of Christ, but obviously mm. the two are linked. So I don't know whether you want to say a little bit about that one. Yeah, and please interject and stop me and whatever because I don't want to uh, it to be a monologue. But the what the the kind of main question would have been from folk who'd read Body Zero is well, what now? And as I allude to in this new book, it's that 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 question can be from a good place or it can be from a bad place. It can be from a place of desperation and longing, and everything being on the table. We we just want the Lord to lead us into as you were saying Tim into truth not rightness but into truth um 
or it can be from a place of belligerence. So what what now? What what now, Nick? What, we can't all leave the church because it'll still just be chaos. Mm. Um, and so Body Zero was really, I suppose, a manifesto of what we would understand to be our own lives being prepared for his return. And again, not, not within our lifetime. We're not talking about date setting or assume if anything, we assume that it's not our lifetime, but that, but nonetheless, that the preparation for that should be the same as though it was definitely within our lifetime. Um, so the, so the first book was, I think asking people to, to think, uh, as you do more critically about, the assumption that the landscape of the church, which is char- characterized by the peaks and troughs of all these different denominations, that often will say competing, contradictory things. This is why mm-hmm. we talk in the podcast about the chaos of the church and breaching that. Um, so that that was just in brief what that first book was about. And as we've already covered in this conversation, that the catalyst of that is recognizing that Jesus is coming and that the church, if you refer to Matthew 25, we're not in a place of readiness for that, you know, when, when we will be in a place of splendor to be presented. So, so anyway, that's, that's what that first book's about. Um, if that answers the question. Yeah. Yeah. And then the glorious few leads the reader on a journey through the de-radicalized church that's your term, to discover what radical discipleship really means. And it it says um, on the back of the book, I think, it is ultimately a heartfelt cry for national repentance and the bride of Christ to be straightened out in Mm. preparation for the return of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Now that, I mean, that completely speaks to me. I think what we've spoken about a bit earlier um, is certainly what I've been feeling over the last few years. Mm. So many things have brought home to me this journey that we're on this life that we're called to to follow Jesus it has to be more important than anything else we have to take it seriously and what does that mean for me personally um like yeah. you like you said right at the beginning to be to be longing for the return of Jesus what does that mean yeah yeah and, and I think important within that and as a critical, maybe even starting point of what national repentance would look like, and even if it doesn't ever become national in our own homes, because we are before him solo, is that how has it ever not been about that? Mm. You know, with what you've just said is absolutely true, but it is elementary. It is the most basic thing. It's the most basic reality of what it means to pass from death to life, is that we are not our own, Galatians 2.19. For I no longer live, but this life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So do we believe that? And I think that's the alarming thing for me is we've, and I I think maybe this is one of the things back in my head that's all these tabs open when you were talking (laughs) a minute ago, Tim, is that we we have our own points of reference, don't we? Whether it's handling different theological issues and compartmentalizing them to suit us and our salaries and convince ourselves that we're being faithful and wholehearted but we have our points of reference um but the point of reference is the scripture and the scripture alone Mm. 
And, uh, you know, and it's often, it's a cliche these days, but when you do read the book of Acts, there is no negotiation. There's no, I don't, I'm not really sure about that, Jesus. You know, I'll just go to another church. <laughs> it's yes. either in Christ or you're not. And if you are, you're just besotted with him. And so it's like, of course, just show me, please just teach me. Yeah. So I think the point of reference is often skew with, if I can use that expression. Um which which results in us not quite realizing the state that we're in. Um, yeah. And I, in all honesty, perhaps um, the coronation that we all, or most of us, will have seen recently, for me, was a was a level of brazen mockery of what it would what it should mean to be a disciple of Jesus. Yes. Yeah. That, arguably, that the world has ever seen. If you think about yeah. the global audience that that attracted, as as with the uh, the other royal wedding in 2018, you know it's it's showcasing something to the world and to the I believe to the to the heavenlies that there is a there is a species of human pride as regards to Jesus that is being displayed that is just it's just it is overwhelming it's bewildering it's staggering. It's depressing. It's all these different things. We can't quite take it in, what it's showing us. So, yeah, Helen, I do think that um, the church are de-radicalized. I don't think we understand corporately what it would mean to be in a faithful place. And I think that's why the call to repentance nationally is the only sane response when you when you kind of see things as they are because in all truth there is there is no sense of how do you move forward this is another thing that folk often say to me well, what do i have to repent about mm. i don't personally abort four thousand babies a week um we could spend ages talking about this in terms of repentance but i honestly think that in terms of the gift that repentance is and the kindness that it is to us that there is a, as it were, a whole world that we can't even begin to imagine until we come into that posture of repentance. Yeah. You don't you don't come into a posture of repentance with a list or have a day of repentance about millions of babies. It's you you come there's a there, it's just the same as the, on a personal level. Like when we, it might help folk listening to think. Remember that. Remember the day that you were saved or remember the moment that you just felt that overwhelming sense of peace with God for the first time. And in that moment, you're not issuing terms and conditions. You're not wanting to adjust this and that in order for your life to be a bit more comfortable. You're just, you're just desperate. And I think extrapolating that into a corporate context is what we should be seeing. And yeah, that's why, Gaf, exactly. that's why GAFCON, it, it's not, it's not national repentance guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like it's like it, I suppose it's like it's it's, it's if the close if the closer we were it, it were coming into God's presence, as it were, the the more the more we're going to see the filthy rags, and the more we'll want to go and change that. And and yet the it feels like it's the opposite of that. It's it feels like it often we'll, we'll, we'll like you say we'll come with a list, we'll get so close, and then think oh we're okay here. We'll, we'll mm. stay here because we're okay. We won't do the other things. But it doesn't work like that. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that 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 really makes sense. And I think I think as well, it's really really important to underline that that 
for some people, this this might sound negative, but actually the reality is, I think it's incredibly positive because unless we are willing to understand the reality of our situation, we're not actually going to be able to address it and, like say, move forwards. So it's it's okay to <laughs> to be brutally honest with ourselves and say, okay, well, how where have we gone wrong? Where do we need to stop and turn around? And then, yeah, and to do that individually and then collectively. But that that I mean, collective, like yeah, yeah. collective repentance would be would be an amazing. For sure, thing. it's such a beautiful gift, isn't it? Repentance. Yeah, yeah. And what and why it is that we think, um, you know, the UK blessing thing. Back in back, it would have been around March 2020, I think, or April 2020, as things started to change. There was this false paradox, or sorry, false dichotomy that it was either this kind of viral blessing, mm. or, or there was the camp that would, would, you know, we're talking about repentance, or and and of course the reality is it's not either or; it's both and that the repentance is the blessing. Yes, but that largely we haven't realised that corporately because there has been there's been such a lack of leadership you know like mm. i don't know what you guys think about that or what your experiences have been but certainly i have heard very little leadership that makes me want to sit up and listen um it's it's interesting you mentioned mentioned blessings we were talking about this helen weren't we <laughs> just were. before before <laughs> for this call and and um I, I was having a conversation with my, my wife a few days ago where I was thinking about the blessing. And I think if I'm honest and, and open with people, I feel like over the last three years, in a lot of ways, I've been playing catch up to where I should have been. Um, and, you know, mm. I'm having to think, you know, I'm always having to go back to school in, in understanding just the fundamentals. It's been a wake up call for me personally the last three years in terms of the reality of the situation. But, but yeah, thinking back to the, the 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 blessing because a few podcasts ago we 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 did um an interview with, with with Dave Brennan and um obviously you know he's talking talking about the uh tragic level of of, of abortion in this country alone mm-hmm. and I was I was saying I was saying to my wife I was saying you know the, the thing that I struggle with thinking back now to something like the blessing was we're invoking this I think as you said Levitical blessing on on us and yet this is this is a country that that recently celebrated the 10 millionth death of a child in the womb yeah well how how can we expect god's blessing mm-hmm. when this is still going on it doesn't make mm-hmm. sense either mm-hmm. we can't have it both ways mm-hmm. and yeah helen do you have any other other thoughts on it because we, we were yeah it's an interesting one yeah, well, we were just saying about, um, well, both of us about the catch up and that at the time, I think we were in such a crazy place, crazy situation. And um, and I've only been thinking about it more recently. And then I noticed that it you mentioned it in your book, Nick, as well. And um, it just it just now seems so I don't know what the word is. Um I don't know. It just seems so mm-hmm. um just the the wrong motive behind it or or mm-hmm. the desire for blessing obviously is a is always a good thing. We want God's mm-hmm. blessing, we yearn for God's blessing. But the reality is 
that that will come when we're in the right place. Mm-hmm. And that's going to come through your repentance, like you were saying. Yeah. And that's what that's what I've not seen very often in in church leadership um at different all different levels uh is that that call to repentance and that recognition of the reality of the state of the church mm-hmm. in the west mm-hmm. because the way i see it it's a western problem yeah it absolutely is yeah this is not a british problem although perhaps the brits tend to be more arrogant in some ways than most but um yeah, it's the assumption that we're faithful, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think is, and I, I see that, and not not just you know back then, Helen, in 2020, but like even the other day, I was watching John, listening to John MacArthur, and his uh, he did a session recently called "Living in a Perverse World," and he's he's so right about a lot of things, but of course, profoundly wrong about cessationism and the, and the gifts of the spirit and so on and so forth. And again, what we've said already is that that cannot be as smaller it can't be a side issue and i mm. refuse to accept that it is yeah um yeah. but the but within within that sermon that is really biblical um it's a, it's a showcasing of, of great biblical knowledge and some it's just wonderful from that point of view but there is an assumption that that he stroke that camp don't need to repent yes there's this yeah. assumption that we're we're actually we're we're fundamentally we're okay, and I think this that's what I was going to say a minute ago um, about this call to action of repentance is that is that is that the church should be calling should be being called to repentance. Even like if you if you take any of these individual uh, theological things issues egalitarianism or homosexuality, all the things that the church splinter over. Mm-hmm. Even if you so, just say I was, um, just say I was a an egalitarian, and just say that I did believe that God blessed homosexual marriage and transgenderism, and so on and so forth. I should still be able to call the church to repentance because I still fundamentally believe that half the church could be in profound error. Do you yes. see? What, do, do you see yeah. what I'm saying? You can't both be right. <laughs> exactly. So, 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 why is it that the call to repentance is so? It, it it's just not. It, and again, the charismatic camps, and I'm, I'm sorry, but I do call them clowns a lot of the time because their their way of trying to speak on behalf of the Lord is like a circus. Mm. You know, talking about stadiums filled with adoring worshippers and so called prayers, but there's zero reference to to the church falling to their knees for mercy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, yeah, and and I I would imagine that repent if the church, if we as a church collectively as a church repented of the things that we've got wrong, that would actually result in a unification in a lot of ways because because like you're saying what what. <laughs> Where the splits happen is where people have different views and they think, well, this is okay and this isn't okay. And then, you know, people go their different ways. Um, and, you know, there's mm. a lot of talk now in, in unity, but I think what's missing is, is in church circles is unity of the spirit. And it's unity in the spirit that brings, that's brought about through repentance of turning away from things we've not done or turning, mm-hmm. starting to do things we should be doing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah. And it would, yeah, it would be amazing, amazing to see that. Yeah, I, I, th- I think there is this, again, it's an assumption that, that the Lord, by his spirit, can't clarify things that have historically been unclarified. Yes. I, I, th- I think there's this sense in which, well, these are just historical points of disagreement. Uh, the denominations, all, and I think the denominations will always exist. I don't think the C of E are going to just collapse or whatever, but I, I think that there will be this this increasing incompatibility with what the Lord's doing by his spirit. But this assumption that, well, we've always had egalitarians and complementarians, so... But that in itself, I think, is an assumption that that in coming before him in the way that he wants us to, that there won't there won't be profound historic um, clarity where there hasn't been ever. Um, yeah, and I don't know. I'm not saying I understand how that's going to work exactly, but perhaps it will relate to ratcheting world events, maybe even natural world in natural disaster terms where the world is shaken and it it does it does lever the people of god who are serious and genuine into a place of desperation where there are are more instances of people changing their mind you know i just i'm i'm flabbergasted in an ongoing way that there there just hasn't been more there more of folk just changing their mind about certain things. That's really what we mean by repentance, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Change, change, change of mind. Yeah, it's coming to a place of like you know, and I, I'm not saying this just because therefore Mary and I don't have anything else to repent about when the Lord reveals that, if He does. But publicly saying, yeah, we shouldn't have ever been part of a church where they have female elders. That's just not in line with, and we have to repent about that. We have to change our mind about that, and and not just do that in a private way, but that has to be public. Yeah. Um, yeah. What? What? Out, out of interest, what? What would you say? Because uh, I think one. One of the uh, uh, an argument against that that I I've certainly heard would be, oh well, you know, that that's just a very fundamental view, and and this is this is down to down to biblical interpretation, and and we've got we've got to we've got to mm-hmm. allow for different different viewpoints of interpretation and of course then you end up with the full circle thing is that the main thing is as long as we're we're, we're preaching the gospel that's fine what I, I would question well what is the gospel then and by your yeah. definition but i mean what would you what what would you because you must have heard this this kind of yeah well argument. of course i'm just trying to keep my mind on track here i'm in a room with very little air so i'm slowly oh, well, i'm slowly no. passing out um <laughs> i one of the things i think about that is william tyndale being willing to burn at the stake for the words that the simplest ploughboy in England would understand. Yeah. He died for the English translation of the scripture. In other words, redeeming a simple childlike understanding of the, of the text from the clutches of the, of the Latin-esque, you know, the Catholic popery and so on. So in other words, this plain reading of scripture is not, it's something that as children, we should be able to have five-year-olds explaining the gospel, the true gospel. Yeah. And instead, we have this. Well, that's just that's just fundamental. You know, what about we have to have room for internal? I think it's a smokescreen. Yeah, I think it's a symptom and a fruit of our. And Helen, I know you touched on the book, and maybe we can come back to it in a minute. But the de-radicalized church, I do think it's part of that. Um, so, so I think yeah, that that's what I would say to that is that we're not. I think we lose sight of the fact that the Bible is supposed to be read as a child. 
Yeah. Um, and that really does address everything, I, I would say, because some of these big, bigger issues to do with, I mean, I've never heard a case for egalitarianism that has even remotely made me think, oh, actually, yeah, no, I think maybe that isn't relevant for today or homosexuality is another one. Like when mm. Vicky Beeching released her book, oh, you know, man. there was nothing yeah. in that book that, that we even came close to me thinking differently, you know? Yeah. Well, you you you're, you're, you said you're not. Uh, think I don't think you're on, you're on social media, are you, Nick? But um, I'm not it, now. That's probably it, one of the reasons why I'm not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was just as I was um, looking at the very well. They're not really amusing, but they get to the point where it, it's so ridiculous. It's almost it almost is amusing about Steve Chalk, you know, and, and his kind of uh, pseudo pseudo gospel that he 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 preaches. And, thank you, and, thank you for reminding me of my second point, Tim. Which, which was to say this to answer your original question about the gospel is is that where that that whole thing of well you're just a fundamentalist we need other where that goes um and i'm not sure if you come to this bit in the book helen but where mary and i a number of months ago last year stood outside a false church in edinburgh with a with a cross to proclaim the true gospel and the church was a i think a united reformed church but they they don't believe in the Bible literally. So, in other yeah. words, the Word of God is just really a spiritual guide for. But they're but they're calling themselves a church and they're saying that they believe the gospel, and they're proclaiming the gospel of love because God because love is love. So that's that's where it goes. It it results in, and I and I'll never forget this when we stood outside that church with the cross. And we weren't like lunatics. <laughs> we the cross was there, and we were just giving people booklets. We've got our little repent now. He oh, okay. loves you booklet with the gospel. Yep. And in past me walked this lady who thought that she was becoming or was a man, and pushing her wheelchair with her child, but thinking that she was a man. She was growing a beard. And from the top of her shoulder to down to her wrist, her whole arm was covered in self-harming scars. Oh, no. And it's an image, as you'll understand, that will never leave me. This lady filing past me, not interested in the gospel, into what's being called by false church leaders and so on. The the dissonance there is is unreal. Wow. And so, so that's where it goes, I think, is... When you when you abandon the simple childlike reading of scripture, you end up with that. Yeah. And I mean it's it's just the blind leading the blind, basically. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um just just thinking, do, do you want to touch Tim on the issue of prophecy before yeah. I, I want to talk go okay. into the book a bit more? Because you this comes up right at the beginning of the book. Yeah, yeah. It's the opening line of uh, the introduction to your book, Nick. Says um, we must always beware a prophetic word from the Lord that ends in congregational applause rather than stunned silence or the the faint beginning of tears. And I suppose just if you could just talk about this a little bit, it's just linked back to Chris Wickland's. Um, uh, well, he he said prophetic word was it autumn last year helen was that was that when it was it was yeah. it was sometime last year wasn't it latter part of last year um and we helen and i talked about this in a, in a previous podcast 
but I think you, you, you at the time, Nick, helpfully pointed out that there was no mention of repentance in in that. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, in a sense, prophecy is fairly straightforward to work out. Insofar <laughs> as if it comes true, <laughs> you don't, yeah. you don't, you don't have to stone the prophet. Uh, but um, if, if it, not suggesting we stone the prophet in this case, but anyway, but yeah, you know what I mean. It, it, I it, looking looking back to what was said, it. it it's difficult to see exactly what was true, to be honest. Um, well, any thoughts mm. on on that one? Comments on that one in terms of your your book? Well, I think prophecy is a little bit like joy. You touched on this earlier, I think, and joy is joy is very misunderstood. You know, this feels heavy and critical and negative. And similarly, with with this, with the prophecy and so on, prophecy isn't primarily somehow predictive painting a predictive scenario for it to happen and so on and so forth and I, again i gave up well I, you may not know this but i gave a whole chapter to this in body zero entitled that called divine pathos um and simply put without wanting to sound overly intellectual about this because it's not it's very simple a book that helped me to understand this thing of prophecy or certainly why I was personally feeling such an increasing sense of incompatibility with the mainstream church uh, and, and what it meant to be prophetic, you know? Um, yeah. Was this book by a guy called Abraham Heschel called The Prophets? And I think simply, and it was no, it was no more complex. And one day I was probably just beside myself with a sense of frustration or discouragement or whatever. I want. I knew I wanted to to read something and have have some help on what it meant to be prophetic today. What what did it mean to eagerly desire the gift of prophecy, the gifts of the spirit, especially the gift of prophecy? And it was a Google. Never heard of this guy before. I'm not even a hundred percent sure that this guy's a Christian. He was. He's a Jewish, a, a Polish Jew um, that most folk may have not heard of. But anyway, he wrote this book about the biblical prophets. And it was something in his opening chapter, actually, I think it was. Um, I don't have a copy here in front of me, but he, he put it like this, okay, to try and explain what it means to, to be a prophetic person. And in the context in which he was writing a prophet, a prophet in, in an office sense from the mm. Old Testament. And this is an awful paraphrase of the sentence, and I'll get it to you after this recording. But basically what he was saying is, for the non-prophet, Acts of injustice or sleight of hand or um, turning a blind eye to X, Y, and Z. For for the non-profit, it's just a it's a slight, it's a tr it's a triviality. It's a it's not ideal, but you know. But yeah. for the profit, the sky is falling, <laughs> and that's what he yeah. means by that's what he means by divine pathos. Right. And that's what I understand now. The gift of prophecy is primarily. I don't even. I don't even think that the gift of prophecy is primarily predictive or future oriented at all. Mm -hmm. I think the gift of prophecy is a sense of divine pathos. In other words, in having a sense of the Lord's heart, something of the yeah. Lord's heart with regard to abortion. Yes. Or or to or with regard to homosexuality group of 10 homosexual men 
passionately kissing on BBC One next week. Yeah. Something yeah. of the Lord's heart, and and not this. Oh yeah, it's not right. And then there's a very sh- shortly followed by a but. Mm. But we're not willing to say anything about it in church because we'll lose people. Yes. Or yeah. I'm not willing to make a stand for this because I'll lose my job and my salary and I'm not sure what's going to therefore happen with my manse. Yeah. The attitude that I heard, someone I nearly, I, I wanted to scream. Somebody said to me, this was actually during the COVID situation, that this is a new frontiers church, okay? So it's technically okay. reformed and charismatic. Yeah. yeah. But one of the elders had stood up and said one Sunday, they'd said something about abortion and it had even begun to be something with unction and clarity and so on. The next week, they got up and apologized because because it was, you know, it was a little bit uncomfortable for some people or it was a bit too intense or whatever. Wow. Wow. So that's what that's why I hope that's helpful, because for me, it was life changing when I read that in that book. And the fact that I'm not even sure that Abraham Heschel, whether he's a messianic Jew or not, doesn't matter to me that the Lord used that book to teach me about what it would mean as a New Testament Christian to eagerly desire the gifts, especially the gift of prophecy, is that, you know, Amos 5, woe to those who are at ease within Zion. Yeah. And I think that ease really is why you have songs of blessing being sung over people. There's just this overriding sense of ease at the reality in which we are. But when the Spirit of God is truly invited and welcomed and waited upon, I think the Lord begins just to reveal his heart to us. Yes. And he doesn't do that like, he doesn't do it in, in full because it would crush us. Yes. Like it says in of Jesus in Isaiah 53, you know, the, the Lord's will was to crush him. Yeah. I think it would crush us. We have yeah. our concept and notion of sin is woefully retarded. And yes. and that's why we have this smorgasbord of, well, you know, that attitude to sin. And so, yeah, it might be more helpful for folk to read my chapter called Divine Pathos rather than read, because Heschel was an intellectual and he was, his books are long and difficult to read in some ways. But that, that changed my life, guys. I hope that makes sense because it it, 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 yeah. may, it, may, it makes loads of sense. Yeah, it makes loads of sense. I mean, thank you, thank you for for kind of covering that because it's it's that whole thing, isn't it, of, of prophecy being kind of radical, I guess, edgy, difficult to hear, and and looking through looking through scripture. Um, that's what you that's that's what you see. What you, what you don't see is kind of sentimental, emotional, like giving you a kind of virtual hug sort of thing. Yeah. Um, there's very there's very little fear of the Lord. Yes. You know, Ananias and Sapphira being being struck down or how that might as a parallel relate to Exodus 19. And I no don't hear many sermons on them, do you? <laughs> well, you're about to hear one this Sunday. I'm actually speaking from, from Acts 5 this, this Sunday about this issue. But I think that's what strikes me. There's very little fear. Yeah. And the God who said to Moses and Aaron, no one's coming forward here to touch his mountain because if you do, you're going to die. And it's billowing in smoke and fire. You know, that the, yeah, he's not changed in any way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. so it's it's how this unspeakably precious gift of grace, the new covenant of his blood, the cross, how that 
articulates with the reality that he he is God. And as Vicky Beeching interestingly once sung, he doesn't ever change. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, today, and forever, he is the same. Mm. Yeah. How those realities work, you know. I think, yeah, it's it's not rocket science. I don't think it is. He's both and. He's the same today as he was then. And um, I suppose what is what one of the things you kind of you're bringing to light here is is just what we see. Um, I don't want to sound kind of overly critical because I'm not trying to be critical. I'm trying to just look, go, go hard after truth and reality. But, but in a lot of certainly the UK church, because that's my only experience of church predominantly, it, 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 we just we shy away from what we perceive as being the hard things, and and you could, I think, come to the conclusion that. that in many cases, we are presenting almost sometimes a false gospel, um, and mm. that's deeply concerning. And and if you look at the statistics, if you look at it from if you if you took if you imagine took God out of it, if that were possible, and just looked at it purely from a secular viewpoint, <laughs> yeah, well, yes, and, and said, okay, well, is the church growing? No. Are, are, are we are we becoming you know clear about what we believe no are, are we seeing our, our young young people stay in church and continue on in faith no okay well if we just look at it like that are we going to stop and think hold on guys maybe we're driving the bus down the wrong road here mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. you don't you don't drive you don't go on a journey to somewhere far away and, th- mm. and think, oh, I, I think we've gone wrong. But you know what? We'll just keep going. You don't do that. Nobody no. does that. And yet no. that feels like mm. exactly what we're doing. And we're mm-hmm. clapping each other on the back in the process. Yeah. You know, in, in many in many ways, the church, I think, is in danger of, of becoming little more than a arm of the social services. And that's not, um, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, oh, we don't, we don't. You know, we don't care for people's needs or anything like that. I'm not suggesting that for a moment, but mm-hmm. but it is mm-hmm. very easy to go down that route and forsake mm-hmm. the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, food banks and alpha courses and so on, but no biblical clarity about important things that would result in being despised. You know, yeah, yeah. The promise the promise of John 15 that no one really wants. Yeah. They despise me; they'll despise you. Yeah. Strong I mean, word, isn't it? It is. It is, and it is. and I, you know, I think it's it's. I pondered to myself sometimes. I've said it to other people before, but in a hundred years' time, what am what am I what am I going to be bothered about? Um, am I going to be bothered about? Uh, I got a job here, or or maybe I got a food bank parcel here, or I I got married, or whatever. No, what I'm going to be bothered about is does Jesus know me? Yeah. And do I know him? Yes. That's all that matters. Yes. If I've not got that, I'm sorry, guys, but all the other mm. things, as good as they might be and as needed they might be in the right mm. context and in the right order. Mm. But, you know, anyway. Can you think, guys, can you think of anyone listening? Can you think of the last time that you felt gutted, like truly gutted about something? And I don't need a response, but I, just as you were saying that, Tim, I, I was reminded of this. I can't remember the author's name, but it was a thin yellow book that I read probably when I was a teenager. And it was to do with the Lord's return. And it, within the book, it put 
it put the case forward for three categories of people come the Lord's return, the day of judgment, games up, you know, that's it, over type thing. First category were those who were petrified or word to that effect. You know, they weren't yeah. in Christ. They were eternally lost and so on. There were those who were in Christ and who were faithful. And I think it was something like petrified and elated. And then there was the third category, which were those who were in Christ, but lukewarm, not living for, for Christ. Not, and they were gut, they were the gutted. And there was right. this sense in yeah. which looking back on your life, you hadn't, you hadn't lived for Jesus faithfully. Yes. What what an awful thought that is. Yes. What an awful, awful, awful thought that is. Yeah. Um, and I think the fear of man dominates so much of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and my does. my prayer for, for for myself in a daily way, I suppose, but for anybody that I ever influence or anyone listening to us talk now is that, is that there would be that fear before him that would release us from the fears, the snare that it is to be controlled, to not have to look back on a life where you were just like a bit of Jesus here and a bit of Jesus there, but fundamentally you were living for yourself, controlled by the fear of man. You know, it's it's awful. And um, we need the fear of God struck into us. I really believe that, all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, well, don't you think... Um, I, I think the fear of God is brings freedom and and the fear of man is totally crippling. I mean, I when you were talking mm. earlier, Nick, about um one example, I, I've heard another example I wrote about recently, um a, where a prominent American Christian had written a piece that was, I believe, was truly prophetic, that it was difficult to read, but it was true. Mm. And and then within days it had gone, it had been pulled, and I wrote to ask why, where's it gone? And and I was told that because people didn't like what he'd said, it had been removed. Wow. And and to me, that was just the perfect example of mm. well, that's because it's prophetic. You have to expect that people won't like it because it's difficult to hear. And if all you're gonna do is so you've listened to God and you've heard from God and you've spoken what is true, but as soon as you get a bit of criticism or a bit of pushback, you remove it and you apologize. And yeah. and and I just found that really difficult. Mm-hmm. And the and then I lost res- respect f- for him because of that. Yeah. Um but just thinking before we um mm. you know in I'm a conscious of time and <laughs> it's important to talk about the radicalized church but mm. first just just talking a bit more about this this concept of the de-radicalized church mm. and what that means um in your book you write while there are millions of radicalized disciples paying the costs of spiritual faithfulness in other parts of the world there are millions more de-radicalized christians in the west who are genuinely saved but also ineffective and unfaithful cowering and hiding in wolfish garb. Mm -hmm. I was one of those sheep in wolf's clothing for decades. Mm -hmm. Do you you want to just tell us a little (laughs) bit more about what it looks like to be a de-radicalized Christian and the dangers of that? Yeah. And by the way, thank you for not trying to have a conversation like this in 20 minutes. It's 
refreshing <laughs> on that level just to have a, a longer conversation. Um, maybe if I could just answer that as quickly as I can by referring to the front cover of the book, um, which is really a play on Jesus' words about the, the you know the famous uh, sh- um, wolf in sheep's clothing. In other words you think is a Christian leader or teacher, but underneath the exterior, there is a wolf waiting to, to devour the sheep. Everyone's familiar with that. This, this is the front of this book for those who are just listening is, is a, is an inversion of that, an opposite of that. In other words, there is a, a sheep, a sheep in essence, or, uh, but wearing this external wolfish, garb as you've just said um which is a picture of de-radicalization and the and that the reality of of the, all the things we've talked about i think does does really sum up in that we are living in a a sub normal christian reality it's not orthodox christianity that that is the mainstream at all far from it and you know i often say things like you know today's radical is yesterday's walk in the park and it's true <laughs> our notion of and i've tried to break that cliche in this book um so i th- i think the the image of the front of the book is helpful and you know i've made sure that it's extremely clear it is idiot proof you can't there's a picture and an explanation of 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 it but it might catch people off guard it might make people look twice at it to think or they might misunderstand it. They might immediately think they've understood it and actually they haven't. And then that becomes clear in the book. But f- from, from the quote you just mentioned, yeah, I, I first, I think, began to feel the Lord showing me my, my subnormal, de-radicalized state. Um, it was the advent of 2020. And we'd gone out into our immediate neighborhood with about 100 150 booklets and I hadn't slept very well <laughs> I was really worried I was I was fearful of man and and it was in the process of doing that advent gospel outreach just marrying me on our own um that I began to see how deconditioned I was mm. that in, in doing something as basic and easy as taking a gospel booklet into the neighbors houses I'm not talking about knocking on the door and having an awkward Jehovah's Witness moment. I'm talking about just putting it through the door. And I was worried about that. Yeah. The Lord used that mercifully to begin to show me that I had, yeah, I and, and the, the case I make in the book, and this doesn't absolve me from personal responsibility or repentance at all, but the, the connection between what I'm calling the, the systemic de-radicalization of the church and as somebody who's been in church all their life, you know, multi-generational Christian, uh, was recognizing that the Lord had brought me out of that. And that was really the message of Body Zero. And that in that place of having been separated, it was as though the first thing he then began to show me was how de-radicalized a joke of a Christian. And I still, I'm not saying I regard myself as... Um, you know, the perfect radical example, I don't at all. But my life has visibly changed in the last three or four years as I've seen that. And as I saw the connection with 
the traipsing along to a building every Sunday to hear another lukewarm, doctrinally confused sermon. And the net result of that was Nick Frank's in this wolfish garb. I'm a sheep at heart because I'm in Christ. I'm not, this is not a salvation issue, Hmm. but my life was not fruitfully um, showcasing Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And um, so I, I think, yeah, that I don't know if that helps or makes sense. Just it's hard to explain succinctly. But the the wolf shedding his the sheep rather shedding his wolfish exterior um, is really what the book is about. And you know, the book opens with. And maybe I'll just say this quickly. The book opens with a terrorist, Salman Abadi, walking into the Manchester Arena in 2017. The book revolves to some extent around Islamic terrorism and the counterfeit, the apex counterfeit that that is of what Christians should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it is is shortly followed by the prologue, which is the Acts 9 account of Paul converting from that kind of wolf, although there's a separate issue there. You know, he wasn't saved, obviously. But you know what I'm just going to say? There was a transformative moment of conversion and the result, the result of that is, well, Galatians two nineteen, you know, the New Testament, and just this sense of a life properly laid down, you know. And um, yeah. I hope that makes sense. It's a difficult one to sum up quickly, and we've we've tried to do that in the at the back end of this conversation. It yeah. it, 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 it makes sense to me to me personally because I think if I look back over my life and I see points where I've kind of been more radical it's been when i have been more first of all actually interestingly aware of my sin yeah that that was that was a starting that was always a starting point and and repentance was was central to that becoming aware of my sin repenting cling to the cross realizing my desperate need of the mercy of god and then from that, a clarity. It's like the kind of almost scales are lifted from from the eyes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do this now. Do that. You don't give it, you don't start to mull it over and think, well, what will that person think? Or what will, you just do it because you think, yeah. oh man, I, I'm glad to I'm glad that my heart's still beating, because quite frankly, it deserves not to be. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um Thank you, Jesus. And that's challenge. Yeah, that's challenging. Mm. So yeah, that, that really yeah, that mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense, Nick. Well, so I, I hope I hope so. Sorry, Helen, go ahead. No, well, I was just going to say that um, in terms of thinking about being radical, I've always thought of Jesus as a radical. I've always mm-hmm. thought that. And, and I know that I'm called to follow him and imitate him, even if I may not be very radical in my, in my nature, me yeah. personally. Yeah. But I know that I'm called to be radicalized by him. Um, but I think that's what I've, in these last few years, that's where I've felt particularly challenged because I've recognised that I'm not and I and I can see the need and I know that I need to be radicalised by him. And you say in your book, rightly so, that God is the radical. Yes, he is. So, yeah. so what does it look like to be a radicalised Christian? Because that's what we need to understand, isn't it? And, mm-hmm. and ultimately, that's to look like Jesus. 
It is, but I think there's probably a layer of that you mentioned just a minute ago about the, the prophetic. I can't quite remember how you put it. Um, oh, the the article that you'd read and thought yes, and then it was pulled. That that is one aspect of the 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 the, the prophetic is is rejected and killed. Stephen said to the Pharisees, mm-hmm. "You and your fathers have always persecuted them." There's never not been that case, and then they get angry and gnash their teeth. But but I think in answering your question, what does it look like to be radical? The other aspect of it, and this is where actually I find it more difficult and more painful. Um, is not the wholesale rejection from the unsaved world or the apostate church. It's the shunning. It's the arm's length distance from brothers and sisters. Mm. That That is, I think, that is the point at which this, the seed of the radical, if you can put it like that, begins to germinate because... Like with Saul becoming Paul, you know, I'm convinced he was married. Okay, that's interesting. And I'm, I'm not. To, I'm not talking. It's it's highly unlikely that Saul wasn't married at the point at which he met Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I'm not making a case for that. The point I'm trying to make is that when he met Jesus and he was radicalized, it would have touched every aspect of his life. And of course, I'm not saying that. I think you know. I'm not talking about. I'm not. I'm trying not to make it sound like I'm suggesting that people divorce. That's not what I'm saying. Of course, it's not. What I'm saying is that the the prophetic work of the Spirit it does it will change relationships in your life, friendships, family members. Um. My my test. That would be my testimony, guys. And I don't mind just speaking openly here that. As I have, and this is before the whole thing of COVID and everything, or the example I just gave a minute ago about the the leaflet drop. It's funny you should mention an article being pulled because 10 years ago, when Mary and I lived in London and I was working bizarrely, you might think ridiculously, I was working as a worship pastor of an Anglican church in central London. And I was asked to write an article in 2013 and in the article, it doesn't matter what it was about, but long story short, it was pulled. The vicar had asked me to write it. I wrote it. It went up on the church website. It resulted in a whole bunch of complaints, et cetera, et cetera, and the article was put, was removed. I remember when we got married, so about 10 years ago, that this, this process of my responding... Sorry, one sec. Some builders next door... What I'm trying to say is as I have responded to what the Lord, the best of my ability to what I can honestly put my hand on my heart and say, this is what I think the Lord is saying and asking of me, it has resulted in things being stripped away. Mm-hmm. And that that is primarily, has been for me primarily relational. And I'm not bothered about the the atheistic world. That doesn't hurt me. What hurts and what I find most difficult is the arm's length shunning of Christians who don't want to be radical. Yeah. That's the most difficult point. And until we come to a place of recognizing the preciousness of relationship with Jesus, the coming King, I think that desire to not be shunned mm. will will have a very strong prevailing impact on our hearts and minds. And I think particularly church leaders. Mm. Um, that's it, guys. That's, 
that's it. And that's not something you just graduate from. That, for me, is an ongoing. Um, and you might have noticed at the front of the book that I dedicated it to my wife, Mary, mm. for mm. Mary and every price you've paid. Mm. You can't be radical. You can't be wholehearted before Christ and not face cost and price. Yeah. And it's it's and it's awful. It, at times, it is awful. I'm glossing over it. At times, it is awful. But when you have conversations like this, it reminds me that it's such a blessing. It's it's it's, it's such a blessing of a Lord to be led into a place where, regardless of the cost, mm. you feel like your hand is on your heart and you're saying, "Lord, this is where I've got to stand because you've led me here." You've led me to this place to say this in this way. And there's nothing on earth, literally nothing on earth that would make me forfeit that. So I think that's what it means. Mm. Uh, I think I think that's where it starts. And we shouldn't be surprised, should we? We're told to take up our cross and follow Jesus. Yeah. And this is what time and time again, I can't understand. Um, had a conversation with someone the other day about a book that they thought, might be quite a good book. And as soon as I saw it, it was like, this is prosperity gospel. It's telling you that everything in your life is going to be great. Once you're a Christian, it's going to be all easy. It's going to be... Joel Osteen, your best life um, now. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't that one, but yeah. Um, And that's a lie. We're told it's going to be hard. Yeah. It's not not going to be an easy life. Not that we're going out looking for suffering, but... No. But being a Christian is not going to be... Truly being a Christian is not going to be an easy ride. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I think I think it'll be a real encouragement, what you just said, Nick, to, to those listening to this, because um, I think in the, the sphere in which we kind of are operating in terms of people who would listen to this podcast, for example, mm-hmm. would tend to be people who might feel a little bit on the edge. Um, and what you've, what you've just said yourself really resonated with me personally, uh, for, yeah. you know, the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'm not, I wouldn't hold myself up as an amazing example at all of, 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 of this. And I know I don't get things right all the time. I acknowledge that, but, but it certainly does resonate. And mm-hmm. I think, yes, thank you. It's a real no, encouragement. Not, not- not at all, guys. It's. Uh, I'm sorry that we're not in a room together because such is the world that we're currently in. Um, but it, it is. It's a joy, isn't it, to have a sense of kindredness about this, and mm. um, it doesn't mean that we have all the answers or have a clarity about the next five or ten years. But you know, we none of us are guaranteed tomorrow, mm. and going back to that image of the of the gutted component, like I just. It's like Martin Luther, this is where I've got to stand. And before God, I stand here. And there is joy in that place as well. I don't want folk to hear, mishear me. There is joy, but I think joy is often misunderstood. There can be great joy and, and tears at the same mm-hmm. time. And um, I just, yeah, I just, it's a it's a community project we're on. It's not a... Oh, yes. Yeah, you know, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Think, I, I don't think, know if this is I don't know if this is like a divine sign, but there's a guy doing some can you hear the noise? I can't no. I can't I can't, can you not? I can't hear the noise of them. So the guy's decided to build a house just outside our house. 
<laughs> this is welcome to my world. I often have to stop. I'm trying to record an audio book at the minute. And if it's not nesting birds or flies <laughs> that come in, it's it's builders. Yes. Yeah, it's just, it is. You, you do need almost like a soundproof booth, don't you? If you want to kind of have a sort of uber professional podcast setup but i i i I, I quite like it when you kind of get the little little life interventions kind of keeps it real doesn't it it does um anything else you wanted to add there helen or um no i think i think there's just so much to think about and i think i'd again um say definitely get nick's book if you tell us nick where people can find you um and where they can get your book, I would recommend people read it and um, be 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 open, be challenged, mm. be ready to be challenged. Thank you so much. Uh, it's um, we're not, as I said, we're not on social media, but we do have a YouTube. I have a YouTube channel, so you can go ahead and uh, Nicholas Paul Franks. Okay. Um, but the book uh, is available in limited edition or Amazon version. If you're anything like me, you'll not like amazon books so i've I've <laughs> no, worked likewise. very hard to make yeah there's a there's a limited so just go to um you, you go to firebrandnotes.com that's my main website and mm-hmm. you'll, you'll see that sign posted very very clearly there um and if you're not in the uk there is an amazon version if you don't want to pay a little bit more for the postage okay uh, yeah yeah Oh, awesome! We'll put we'll put we'll put links links to to that on on the on the podcast uh, notes. Um, a, any particular ways that you know listeners to this podcast who who are followers of Jesus who can can pray for you and marry at the moment? Thank you. Yeah, I can't go into detail, but since the publication of this book, a lot has happened. Okay. Um, so I, I can't go into the specific details of that, but suffice to say. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And for those who are serious about following Jesus, you might think that the woke karate um, are the enemy. They're not the enemy. It's what's going on behind the spiritual scenes that's the enemy. So Mm. please do pray for us for protection. And um, the book hasn't so much poked a a hornet's nest. It's kind of just smashed it. (laughs) <laughs> so I'd, I'd be grateful for prayer okay. thank you yeah yeah no we'll, yeah we'll definitely be keeping you guys in prayer and encourage those listening to this to do that um do you want to finish with a bit of scripture helen have you got uh yeah gonna I'm gonna finish... that's the wrong phrase but yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna finish with this verse which um was thanks to you actually nick um from ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 i keep asking that the god of our lord jesus christ the glorious father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Mm. And in the words you say so often, Nick, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Mm. Father, we pray now, we thank you that you are coming. What hope Mm. that is. What blessed hope that is. Jesus, and when even now we say, would you come? Would you come to be adored and would you come to be feared and would you come to be honoured in the wailing nations? And Father, I do pray now for folk listening to this conversation that they would know the joy of it in their own hearts. I pray that where there are those 
elements of our flesh that resist what you do want to do in our hearts by your spirit that there would be that gentle grace that leads us to a place that we might say is a tipping point in our lives father for tim and for helen and for anyone listening for ourselves that we would know that ongoing sense of being tipped led graciously and kindly just as you do as a father for each of us as children lead us into wholeheartedness and give us joy lord i pray where that feels a particular struggle in this world that is so anti you would you give us joy would you cause the things that we say we believe to feel like imminent truthful realities for us and lord i pray ultimately be glorified deliver us deliver your people from the fear of man that we would come to truly fear you as you mean we worship you jesus amen 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 well look thanks so much nick for taking the time to do this it's been it's been brilliant to, to chat with you and um Pleasure. maybe we could chat again at some point in the future because i think there's so many things we've, we've touched on that would be great to go into a bit more depth but it's, it's tricky to do in in the time that we have so yeah. uh, you know let's let's keep in touch um and just encourage encourage the listeners to yeah go to firebrandnotes.com we'll put all the links to um nick and mary stuff on on the podcast notes um and so do do buy his new book as well because that's that's gonna be excellent um anything to add helen just our normal stuff anything you want to say helen before we no i think that's everything no i think so i think yeah, yeah so do do you share this podcast with those you think is encouraged particularly with church leaders because i think they need to need to hear this stuff be it be on their radar be really thinking about this do share it with them do share it with people who are interested and you think it, this will encourage and challenge in, in a good way um you can find information on um helen's substack on the, the uh the, was it link tree is it yeah, yeah. link tree thing and um you can follow the telegram group if you want to as well where we post snippets of interesting stuff but thank you very much for listening see you on the next one bye Cheers.